0: Bibles tonight, turn to Lamentations chapter number three. Lamentations chapter number three, as we continue our lessons in Lamentations. Looking at some lessons uh, from another people that, boy, how they apply to us here today. And I'm kind of excited about tonight's message. Most of the lessons and lamentations we've looked at throughout 2021, uh, they've been a little bit negative. They've been a little harsh uh, and not something very exciting to look forward to. I, I wouldn't blame you if you dreaded coming to church on Wednesday night uh, because you don't want to hear about the judgment of God and what God uh, could do to our country if we don't get right with Him. Uh, but we need to hear it. That's why God preserved it for us in His Word. But tonight we're going to be a little more positive, a little more upbeat in the message because even in judgment we find hope because of who our God is. And uh, last week we read chapter 3, verse 1 through about verse number 18. And tonight just remain seated if you don't mind. Pick up in verse number 19 and we're going to read about five verses and then we'll pray and jump right in. Lamentations chapter number 3, look down to verse number 19. The Bible says, remembering mine affliction and my misery the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance, and is humbled in me. This I recall to mine, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness." Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you tonight for the wonderful, wonderful truths that we just read in those five verses. Father, I pray tonight that, Lord, even in the midst of our agony and our grief, uh, Lord, in the circumstances of what's undoubtedly, Lord, your judgment, your chastisement upon us who call themselves a Christian nation, where we should not be surprised that we're living through what we're living through. But Father, help us see that there is some hope, Lord, in this, if we, your people, would be willing Uh, Lord, to adhere to your word, to receive it and respond to it. Now, Father, as your word is preached tonight, very simple message. I pray that, Lord, we would do just that. Help us to set the tone, Lord, for the rest of the Christians in our area, that, Father, the people of Central Baptist Church would receive it and respond to it even tonight. And we thank you for what you're going to do, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Even though it's been two years since I have been here Uh, Oftentimes, I will run into people that I have not seen in a while or not seen since I have moved here. And oftentimes, I'll be asked the question, how things are going at Central? Uh, now, my answer and your answer may be totally different. I, I am, uh, I'm an optimist, and I see what God is doing. You may be thinking, man, ever since that guy got here two years ago, it's just been rough, okay? You're entitled to your opinion. Uh, but I would usually tell them things are going well and tell them about some good decisions that have been made, what God's doing maybe through our young people through camps and youth conferences this summer uh, and what we're looking forward to God doing in the rest of the year. Uh, and then somewhere along usually in that conversation... Uh, As I talk with them about how the things have been going the last two years, somewhere in there I would usually utter the words, it's difficult uh, because basically we lost a year. Uh, With COVID, uh, we lost a year of really getting to know people because obviously you couldn't fellowship with people Uh, You were locked up in your house We were locked up in here and you kind of lost a year of getting to fellowship with people uh, Lost a year of getting to build relationships Lost a year of really began uh, working toward the vision what God gave us in 2019 and 20 of being engaged But I I began thinking about that I really got convicted about using that phrase about losing a year Because the truth is, if we got something out of that year and that difficult season we're going through, uh, then we really didn't lose anything, did we? Uh, How often do we use the phrase uh, in our life? I probably use it once a week. Uh, Well, that was a waste of time. Do you ever use that phrase? Well, that was a waste of time. Uh, Every once in a while, I'll drive across town to visit someone. Someone visited our church. I'll go see them or maybe go to the hospital, and uh, I will search and search and search and never find their house or never find them in the hospital, just one of those, uh, you know, illusions. They were never there to begin with, and I'll walk out of the hospital, usually in the midst of a busy day. And I will say, well, that was a waste of time. But, you know, truly, it wasn't a waste of time. Because, you know, in that experience, I learned that it's probably best that you call first. So it really wasn't a waste, was it? Why? Because, because I learned something out of it. Uh, I'll give you a funny one. When we were in Montana, uh, I wanted to see the sunrise. I am a sucker for sunrises and sunsets. I just love them. Just about wherever we go, I try to get up and get pictures of it wherever we might be. And I want to get a picture of the sun rising over the mountains. I mean, that's just a beautiful scene that we don't get here. We get to see the sun rising over the pine trees. They get to see the sun rising over the mountains. So uh, I looked up on my phone. What time the sun rise? Five thirty nine. The sun was going to rise there in Saint Ignatius, Montana. So I got up at 5 o'clock, I got dressed, and at 5.20, I walked out of my tent. Uh, you know, the light was beginning to really get on the horizon. I'm getting ready to watch the sunrise, and I go prop up on an old split-rail fence, and I'm getting ready to capture these beautiful images of the sun rising at 5.39 over the mountains there in Montana. 5.39 came and went, 5.49, 5.59, all the way around, 6 o'clock rolls around. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, well, that guy got it wrong. And then all of a sudden, that light bulb began to flicker. The sun rises there on the horizon on flat ground at 539. But did you know it takes an hour and a seven minutes for it to get over the tops of the mountains where you can see it? And I thought to myself, as I sat there on that fence post, waiting for it to rise, it dawned on me, it's going to take it a while to get over that mountain, but then my pride, Brother Michael, would not let me go back to my tent because I knew other people had watched me stand out there since 5.39 that morning. And I just sat there for an hour and seven minutes until the sun got above the mountains. Now, that wasn't a waste of time. Why? Because I learned it takes the sun longer to get over the mountains than it does in places where there are no mountains. You see, it wasn't wasted. Why? of I learned something. Oftentimes in our life, we think things are a waste of time, but the truth is, if we can learn something from it, it wasn't a waste of time. Now, if we're not careful, here's the mistake we're going to make. Oftentimes, we get so busy complaining about how we got into a mess that we don't take the time to consider what we can get out of the mess, all right? I want to say that again. Oftentimes, we're guilty of complaining about how we got into the mess. I mean, we're all guilty of it in the last 18 months, getting on social media and just unloading our 50-caliber opinions all over social media. (laughs) This is why we're in this mess. This is why we're in the trouble. And the truth is, you're probably right. But could I challenge you? Listen tonight. Not to spend all of your time complaining about how you got into the mess, rather consider what can I get out of the mess that we're in? Now, this is what Jeremiah is doing in chapter number three in those five verses that we read. I read a story about a pastor one time, and he was so discouraged. Young pastor, his first church, small town country church, and went in there to charge hell with a squirt pistol. He gets in there and finds out that the deacons didn't agree with him on anything, and uh, the most influential family in the church quit tithing because they didn't like his preaching and they wanted him to leave and so on and so forth. I mean, he had people mad at him because he, uh, you know, he wanted to paint the building a different color and he wanted to plant these flowers in there, and oh my goodness, he just had so much trouble and it was so discouraged, he decided he was going to take a week off. So it goes back down into the middle of the woods where his family had a small farm and wanted to go down to his old farmhouse that he had there and just spend some time getting along with the Lord and trying to get his heart right with the Lord. And so long story short, he's walking down the road one day and he's walking by this old cow pasture. As he walks down the road, he looks down the ways, a little ways, and he sees this beautiful, beautiful yellow flower blooming in the field. As he closes the distance on that flower, he wanted to walk up and look at it and admire the beauty of it. But as he got up close to it, he noticed something that really turned him off. That beautiful flower was growing in the midst of a cow pie. Do you know what a cow pie is? All right, we're country enough still, right, here? We're not that much of a metropolis here in in the grand city of Hattiesburg that we don't understand what a cow pie is. Some of the best fun you'll ever have in your life is a cow patty fight. Have you never done that? Some of you people have never lived. Put down a video game, go find you a cow pasture, and start flinging. I'm telling you, it's fun. Now, the ones you want to get, they're kind of crusty on the top, all right? Let's just be honest. Some of you are smiling. You've been there, haven't you? I can tell. You want the ones that are crusty on the top but not so much on the bottom. All right? Amen. The crustiness on the top gives you a good handle, and the not so much on the bottom gives you a good ammo to throw. I'm just going to put it that way. Man, we should get out there and we used to throw cow pies all the time. So you know what a cow pie is? If you don't know, ask somebody who's smiling right now because they know. He walks up and he sees this beautiful flower growing in the midst of that cow pie. He looked at the flower and he thought to himself, Boy, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. Here I am trying to to, to radiate Christ and try to be something beautiful for the Lord and all around me is this just stink. I am surrounded by stink. But then the Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit began to show him that not only was the flower growing in an unfavorable circumstance, the flower was actually getting some valuable nutrients from the unfavorable circumstances that it was growing in. What's the famous quote by Corey Tin Boom? Grow where God plants you. Do you know I, I've been planted in 2021? So how do you know that? Because I'm here. God wanted me here for now. And God not only wants me to grow, but God wants me to take all that's going on around me, all the stink that we seemingly be planted in, and God wants me to get something out of it. Now listen, all of our adversity does not have to be in vain. You're thinking, we lost a year. We lost a whole year. I mean, months and months, this building was just empty, just a handful of people. We lost a year as a church. We lost a year as a Christian. We lost a year uh, as our family, fellowshiping together. You don't have to lose it as long as you get something out of it. So Tonight, we're going to look at these lessons that Jeremiah learned in the midst of his adversity. Now, notice, if you will, real quickly, look down to verse 19. Notice the first word, Remembering mine affliction and my misery. And you look at verse number 20, look what it says. My soul hath them still in what? He says remembrance. Now twice in two verses, Jeremiah uses the word remember. Jeremiah is saying, listen, I remember what we went through and what we're going through. And he says, watch this. I stowed it away. I didn't forget what we went through. Do you know what Jeremiah is telling us here? I learned something there. I didn't go through all of this in vain. I got something out of it. Wouldn't it be wonderful to look back at the last ever how many months we've been going through this difficult season? Wouldn't it be wonderful and rather than look back and say, we lost 18 months and say, no, we learned something valuable in the midst of the stink that we've been living in in this world. Now, what's the best evidence that we've learned something? The best evidence that we've learned something is we remember it. You tell your kids, it's time to take out the garbage. Well, let's not use that one. Let's pick an easy one. Tell your kids, pick up their dirty clothes. You walk in the next day and there's dirty clothes on the floor. They didn't remember, Do you know why? Because they haven't learned. And you go in and maybe this time you take away their Xbox or whatever, put them in the corner for timeout or whatever it is you do. My dad would just whoop me, all right? Dad didn't count one, two, three. Dad just had a, uh, just kind of a, this simple rule about obedience. You just, you just did it, you know? And uh, maybe the next time you finally spank them and you walk in their room and the clothes are up off the floor, they learn. You say, how do you know? Because they remembered. Now folks, what does God want us to learn from what all the adversity we've gone through? Well, there's two things here tonight I want to show you. Two things in the lesson of learning. The lesson of learning. Jeremiah says, We went through all of that. I mean, look, we've read three chapters of chaos and catastrophe, three chapters of destruction. Matter of fact, look at verse number one, the word affliction. Verse number two, the word darkness. Look down to verse number four, broken my bones. Verse number six, dark places. These are verses that really describe what we've been going through as a people. Now, here's the question. We've gone through all of that, but have we learned anything? Look, you don't have to lose 18 months of your life to adversity. We can get something out of it to the glory of God if we will just learn. And what I want to show you tonight is the flip side of our circumstances. Rather than just see all the negative that's been going on, Jeremiah didn't waste his affliction. He learned in it. And I want to show you two lessons tonight That he learned Sunday. I preached four points. So tonight I'm only going to do two. That way we keep our average going of three per service. Amen. Look down to verse 22. Jeremiah says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Now watch closely. Stick with me in the illustration. In verse 22, Jeremiah is showing us a flower in the midst of the cow pie that he was living in. Watch close. The first thing Jeremiah says, I learned, he learned the magnitude of God's mercy. He learned the magnitude of God's mercy. So how do you know that? I mean, he's going through catastrophe. He's going through chaos. He's going through darkness and, and brokenness. How can you say God is merciful? Now, look, I would understand that from a lost person. I think it would be easy for a lost person to say, how can you say you have a merciful God when we've been going through all that we're going through? We are living in affliction. We're living in darkness. We're living in a broken society. We're going through travail and change and judgment. But watch this. Oh, I'm going to show you what God showed me and what a blessing it was to me. And you may not get this, but boy, what a blessing it was to me. There's three words you need to see in verse number 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that, here they come, We are not. We are not. Not what? Not consumed? We're not consumed. Do you know, look, I feel like the last 18 months we've spent so much of our time complaining about what we are rather than being thankful for the merciful God of all the things that we are not. Jeremiah says, yes, we're in darkness. Yes, we have chains. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's travail. It's been rough. But watch what he says. We are not consumed. You see, mercy is when God withholds what we do deserve. Do you know what we deserve as Americans? For all the babies we slaughter in their mother's womb, for all of of God's ordinances and all of God's institutions such as the home and the church and the family that we have rebranded in our pride, we deserve to be consumed. We deserve to be wiped off the planet, scorched earth. That's what we deserve. But we are not. We are not. Do you know why? Look at verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not. Can I tell you, in the midst of our affliction, it's easy for us to focus on what we are. And we miss out on the blessings of realizing what we are not. There are several of us in this building uh, tonight who have been to foreign countries on mission fields. And oh, America, listen, we are hard-headed and we are prideful and we are becoming liberal and yes, we are becoming a socialist nation. We are, we are, we are, we are. But you travel outside the borders of this country and you'll see because of the mercies of God, there's so much that we are not. Oh, that we would learn of how merciful of a God that we serve and you could go through the last 18 months and totally miss it. Jeremiah says... All of those things, verse 1 through verse 18, we are this. Darkness, affliction, brokenness, travail, chains, desolation. We are. Look, I'm not downplaying it. We are in a mess. But we are not consumed. Yesterday, I, I had the opportunity to go visit two mothers that are preparing to bury their sons. I don't know that I've ever had to do that in one day visit with two mothers that are preparing to bury their sons. Through the course of their conversation, it was said that we are broken. We are grieving. We are lonely. We are hurting. And you know, oftentimes, if you focus on what you are and the way things are, you'll get bitter. You'll get bitter. That's what happened to Job's wife. Job's wife... Paraphrasing goes to Job We are childless We are penniless We are hopeless Curse God and die I'll promise you if she had social media She'd have posted it We are this, we are this, we are this And she focused on what she was Rather than what she was not She was not consumed I'm so thankful As I sat there and talked with those two mothers yesterday Yes they are grieving Yes, they are hurting. Yes, they are lonely. But can I tell you what they are not? They are not without hope. Listen closely. Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Are you ready? Here it comes. But according to his mercy, he saved us. There's two mothers tonight within the reach and in the scope of our church who are hurting They're grieving, they're alone, but they are not hopeless. Why? Because we serve a merciful God. According to his mercy, he saved us, and both of them know that the sons that will bury this earthly body this week, that their sons are with God. Why? Because we serve a merciful God, and how easy it would be to focus on what we are not or what we are, but yet they focused yesterday on what they are, not. They're not hopeless. Ephesians 2, 4, but God who is rich in what? Mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus What is that saying? Look, there's hope beyond this life. There's hope beyond the graveside that we'll stand at tomorrow for Brother James Hayden. There's hope. Why? Because we serve a merciful God. And yes, we may be broken. And yes, we may be hurting. And yes, we may be grieving. But we are not hopeless. Why? Because we serve a merciful God. Now, folks, you're saying we're living in a cow pie of a country now. Yes, we are. But I'll tell you what we are not. We are not hopeless. We're not powerless. Why? Because we serve a merciful God. What is Jeremiah saying? Jeremiah says, I remember. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget all that we went through. And even though all the things we went through were bad, he says, I have found his mercies or why we are not consumed. It's amazing I've, uh, you know, I have the same emotions as you do. I really do, believe it or not. I really do have the same emotions you do. Uh, probably even worse, all right? Probably even worse. I, every once in a while, I just want to throw a rock at somebody. You ever feel like that? I just want to throw a rock at somebody. Uh, I'm probably fixing to get reported to somebody for that. That's probably not, you can't say that anymore. You're sitting back and you're watching the news, which I haven't watched in months, or you're reading the news, or you hear about news, and you think, we're becoming socialists. We are. We're headed that way. We're becoming a communist country, and you focus on all that we are. And you get, what is it? You sit sour, and uh, sit, soak, and sour. And you get bitter. And you get a bad attitude. You don't have the joy of the Lord. And your spirit doesn't radiate somebody who walks with God and belongs to God and has hope beyond this life. Why? Because you're focusing on what we are, not what we are not. Yes, our country is headed down a road that I don't want to be on. But I want you to know, one day I'm going to get to abandon this ship. I'm getting off of this thing. He's taking me home. I'm not without hope. I'm not powerless. I'm not a victim. Why? Because of a merciful God who holds back what I deserve and has given me the opportunity to serve him in the midst of our trials. In the affliction, Jeremiah learned the magnitude of God's mercies as we're not consumed. Yes, we're losing liberty. We are. Yes, we are. Yes, we're losing our freedoms. Yes, we are. But I'll tell you one thing, we haven't lost it yet you know why? Because we serve a merciful God. We deserve it. You know, we deserve it if we just allowed one child to be slaughtered in its mother's womb. We deserve that. The Bible says the abominations in the eyes of God, what is that? Hands that shed innocent blood. There's no more innocent blood than a child in his mother's womb, never seen the light of day. And yet millions upon millions upon millions have been murdered under our watch. If we didn't serve a merciful God There'd be nothing left of this planet But we do Now watch this I want you to see something Stick with me here Notice what the Bible says Verse 21 This I recall to mind What is he recalling to mind? Verse 22 It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed Now watch the product of this It's beautiful This what did he say? Verse 21, I recall to mind. What is he recalling? The Lord's mercy is why we're not consumed. Then what does that do for Jeremiah in verse 21? Therefore have I hope. When you realize just how merciful God is, and God is holding back the judgment that we do deserve, you say, well, good night. How can it get any worse? Trust me, it could get worse. God could totally turn loose. The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit of God says, He that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That restraining power of the Holy Spirit of God is holding back a lot. And thank God we can't see it. But God's mercy is holding back, holding back all that we deserve. You know what that will do for you? It will do what verse 21 did for Jeremiah. Therefore have I hope. You know? Do you know why so many people are hopeless? I'm talking about Christians, all right. We're talking Christians tonight. This is Wednesday night. Wednesday night. This are church folks. Do you know why there's so many hopeless church folks in America tonight? So many hopeless Christians in America tonight. It's because we're focusing on all of the "we are"s instead of all that we are not. Your folks. Oh, we are this. We are in trouble. Yes, we're going down the wrong road. Yes, we're becoming a. Soul. Yes, yes, yes. We are. But what we are not overshadows it all the fact that our God has mercy upon us. Now, what is he doing? God is holding back what we do deserve in his mercy to give us opportunity. I had Brother Richard put this in the pulpit earlier. First message I ever preached at Bayou Baptist Church was out of Ezra chapter number 9. I want to read verse 8 to you. Listen to what Ezra says. Also someone trying to plant and grow and shine in the middle of a cow pie. Ezra 9, 8, and now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape. You know, God could have just wiped them all out. God could have just said, because of your wickedness and rebellion, you're gone. I'm starting all over. But no, look what God did. He held up. And he left a remnant to escape, here it is, listen close, and to give us a nail in his holy place that God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Someone gave me, I preached on a nail in his holy place and someone gave me this picture of a nail. And it's set up in my office the five years we were there. I'd walk in my office and I'd see that picture of the nail and realize, you know what the nail in his holy place means? It means he's given you a spot of opportunity, and I said, by the grace of God, we're going to hang everything we can hang on that nail. We're going to make as much use out of that little bit of real estate God's given us. Why? Because in God's mercy, he held back to leave a remnant. By the way, look, you're part of the remnant, not of Israel. Listen, there's not many of us left, but God has let us remain. Why? What did he say? Listen close. I love this, to give us a little reviving in our bondage. The fact that you're here tonight, you know what that means? We serve a merciful God. There's nobody standing out front with guns to stop us from getting in. Why? We serve a merciful God. Yes, we're becoming all of those things. Yes, we are. But what we are not shows us that God is merciful. Let's take advantage of the magnitude of God's mercy that God's allowing us to meet and to preach and to live and to raise our children in honor and admonition of the Lord. Number one tonight, notice the magnitude of his mercy. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, I love what the Apostle Paul says here. I thought about this verse all throughout last year. Paul says, we are troubled on every side. Amen? Amen. Yet not distressed. He says, we're troubled. We got troubles on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Pick that verse apart. What did he say? Are we persecuted? We are troubled. We are troubled, but listen to this not distressed. He says, hey, don't focus on what we are. Focus on what we're not. We're not distressed. We are perplexed. Oh, look, I was perplexed before last year. I don't know about you. I think I've been perplexed pretty much most of my life. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Look, it's okay to be perplexed. It's okay to be perplexed. It's okay to be troubled, but don't be distressed. Why? Because we serve a merciful God. And it's proof by the fact that we're here tonight what does it say? We're cast down. Oh yeah, I've been cast down several times in the last 18 months, but not destroyed. Why? Here it is. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. God says, "I'm giving you the opportunity to show them me." That's what he says. I'm giving you, look, yes, I know it's bad, and all the things you are could be consuming if you focused in on it and became bitter, but all the things that you are not, it means God's merciful giving you an opportunity to show the world Jesus. That's what he says. I'm giving you an opportunity. I've mentioned the story before. I think Brother Heath may have told the story, that the hymn history of uh, the song, Come Thou Fount. And I want to take the back side of the story tonight. I've told you before, the verse says, uh, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. And, oh, the the gentleman by the name of Robert Robinson that wrote that song would one day, even after he wrote that beautiful hymn, stray away from the Lord. He'd get away from God and begin to doubt God. The story goes, I read it as true. He was sitting in a buggy with a a lady on his way somewhere, and the lady began to hum that tune of Come Thou Fount. He looked over with tears in his eyes. He says, I am the poor excuse for a human that wrote that song. And she says, what do you mean, poor excuse? He says, well, I'm not at the place where I was when I wrote those words. And I've gotten away from God. And I'm not what I need to be. And the story goes, if you know the song, it says, streams of mercy never ceasing. She looked over at him, at Robert Robinson, and said, the streams of mercy still flow. The streams of mercy still flow. Aren't you glad? Even the times we felt the furthest away from God that we have ever been, that we found the streams of mercy never ceasing, always flowing. Why? Watch this. Watch this. Y'all be smiling tonight, all right? I'm not going to preach any more positive messages if you don't smile. Look at verse 22. This is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. New every morning. Look, the simple fact that there's a heart beating in my chest and air in my lungs is a testimony to the fact that we serve a merciful God and the magnitude of his mercies. I'm glad we didn't have an allotment of mercy, that we poured a little bit out for a lifetime. Here's your lifetime allotment of mercy. Man, I probably would have blown through that the first two youth camps. Kids will make you Push you to the edge a little bit In the morning I wake up And that stream of mercy that I thought Surely that stream of mercy is going to be Dried up It's still flowing Why? Because we serve a merciful God So folks tonight if there's anything you could get out of What we've been going through It's the fact of the magnitude of God's mercy And God gave us that mercy Why? For the opportunity To come back to him What is it that leads us To repentance? Goodness of God. Have you ever cringed and just waited for the lightning bolt? Guilty. Knew it. Knew I was doing wrong. Knew I was out of the will of God. Knew that I was doing whatever I was doing that was not pleasing to God, but I was going to do it anyway. And you're like, yep, here it comes. And then on a rainy day like today, you really know it's coming. You're like, yep, here it is. Clouds rolling in. This is the one that's going to get me. The lightning bolt never comes. Why? Why? because his mercies are new every day. And oh God has not sent that final bolt that's going to take us out of here to destroy us as a country, why? Because the Bible says it's his mercies that we are not consumed. So what was the first lesson Jeremiah says? I remember, I'm not gonna forget this. Don't forget that yes we went through trouble but we were not consumed, why? Because number one, the magnitude of God's mercy. Then notice the second thing and this is it. If you look down to verse 22, the end of it, it says it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Why? Because his compassions fail not. Not only did Jeremiah learn something about God's mercy and the magnitude of his mercy, he says his compassions fail not. So the second thing that he saw in the midst of affliction, notice number two, was the character of his compassion. The character of his compassion. Now, I want you to listen close. I think tonight one thing I think we're all guilty of, I know that I'm guilty of, is subjecting God's attributes to our understanding. You understand what I'm getting at? We take the wonderful, majestic, almighty attributes of God and we subject them to our understanding. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we limit God's power by our perspective and we find out that God is compassionate, we say, okay, well, I know what compassion is. What is our compassion? Our compassion is picking up a puppy at the animal shelter. That is compassionate, stopping and picking up a puppy. Or maybe buying a meal for a homeless person. That's compassionate. Or maybe at Christmas time, look, you break out the big bills and you drop a five in that red kettle in front of Walmart. You're thinking... I'm compassionate, and yes, that is compassionate in the eyes of man, but my compassion and God's compassion are on totally different levels. So how do you know? Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So God's compassion is on a higher level than my compassion. I think I've told this story here before, but I love the story about the businessman from Chicago who flew to Dubai to uh, negotiate a deal there on some real estate. As he was negotiating, he came to find out that the man he was dealing with was one of the crown princes of one of those Middle Eastern countries that are over there. After two days of negotiations, they had almost got to the end. They said, look, it's been a long couple of days. Let's go out and, and enjoy ourselves on one of our world-class golf courses. And so they went out there, and they, they golfed together. And during that time, uh, they sealed the deal. You know, I hear, Brother Nate's a golfer. I hear that golfing really brings out people's character, and that's why I don't golf, because I try to keep it under wraps as best as I can. Uh, and after golfing with the, the gentleman from Chicago, they sealed the deal and made the deal on the real estate. Well, the crown prince said to the man, he says, I want to give you a token to remember this outing that we had and our business dealings. The guy said, no, you don't have to do anything like that. He says, no, I want to give you something. And the handler that was there says, listen, you don't turn him down. You just tell somebody, he'll get it for you or you'll insult him. He says, look, I enjoy playing golf with you. Why don't you go and, and just, just, just mail me a golf club? Mail me a golf club. He says, deal. A few weeks later, the man is at home and here comes this FedEx truck up to his house and he comes up and says, you're going to have to sign for this one. He said, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's got insurance and all this on it and it's an important document. So he had no idea what it was. He opened it up and inside that envelope was the deed to the local golf club down the road from where he lived. The crown prince had bought out the entire club and deeded it over to the man. The guy was thinking to himself, I just wanted a golf club. And that's where he realized that royalty thinks on a higher level than those of us that are in the commonplace. Now folks, can I tell you something tonight? Your compassion and God's compassion on totally different levels. Now watch this, watch this. God's compassion is not our compassion. Now you've got to look up the word compassion to understand what God's compassion really is. I'm going to give it to you so you don't have to Google it on your phone, okay? I know what you'll do. You'll check the score on the ballgame. I don't want you to do that, all right? Pay close attention. I'm going to read it to you. The word compassion is made up of two words. The first part is the prefix C-O-M, com. It means with, with. For instance, companion, somebody that's with you. Compare, you're comparing one thing with another thing. Or combine. You're putting two things together, all right? C-O-M means with. Here's the neat part. The second part of the word is the word P-A-T-T-I, pati. Com, It's Latin. And it means to suffer. It means to suffer. Oh, you got to see this. My compassion will bring you something in your pain my compassion will momentarily try to alleviate your problem. God's compassion is a compassion that suffers with you. He suffers with you. Now watch this. Jeremiah says this. I've learned the character of God's compassion through all of the turmoil and the trouble and the darkness and the pain and the grief that we've gone through. Through all of that, I learned what God's compassion really is. And God's compassion is one that suffers with us. Can I tell you what I've learned over the last 18 months? It's what God's compassion is like. God didn't send me a letter in the mail that says, hey, hope things get better for you down there. God didn't send me a nice bouquet of flowers and some balloons that says, better days ahead. No, my God has walked with me and suffered with me all through the trouble that I've been, and I have found that compassion of God is sufficient. Now watch this. The Bible tells us in Matthew 28, we know very well what verse 20 says, but listen to it now in light of the word compassion. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you all the way. Can I tell you something? What a shame it would be for you to go through all that we have been going through in the chastising and judgment hand of God, for you not to realize that our Savior's name is Emmanuel, God with us. Do you know why I have had hope over the last 18 months of difficulty? It's because, yes, I have been in trouble. Yes, I have struggled. Yes, I've had difficulty. Yes, my heart has been broken. I've had headaches. But I've not gone it alone. He's been with me. You see what I'm saying? Look, don't go through all of that without learning something. Learn the great mercy and the magnitude of the mercy of our God and then learn about the character of his compassion The character of his compassion means he has suffered with us, and he has not left us. And I want to tell you, that ought to be the difference between you and the lost world, is we have not suffered alone. We have not grieved alone. One of my favorite missionaries, missionary stories and accounts and biographies is that of David Livingston. The great trailblazer across Africa I don't know how many times he walked across Africa, mauled by a lion, had 11 scars in his arm where the lion's teeth sunk in. He would die with those scars in his arm, just maimed. His his arm kind of hung limp. He battled yellow fever. He battled, he buried a wife. He buried a son. I mean, just tragic, tragic heartache and pain. Just answering the call of God and what God called him to do. He died on his knees in his tent his Bible opened, laying there on his bed with his hand right next to Matthew twenty-eight twenty, And it said, lo, I'm with you all way. That means all the way. Every step, I am with you. And beside it, David Livingston's Bible were these words, and I quote, it is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor. So there's an end of it. Makes you wonder why he wrote that last part So there's the end of it After he got mauled by the lion Don't you think he probably wanted to quit Bury a wife You probably want to quit But he claimed God at his word That lo I'm with you always What would keep a man On a dark continent Crisscrossing it Attacks, sickness and death What would keep a man there I'll tell you what would keep him there That's where his savior was He was with him, and he found out that God's compassion of being with you, suffering with you, will get you through whatever you're going through. Now, folks, what a shame it would be for us to go through all that we've gone through and not learn something. The last two years have not been wasted if we've learned something from them. Can I tell you what I've learned? I've learned a little bit of what Jeremiah learned. I've learned the magnitude of his mercy. He should have wiped us off, the planet. He should have let America fall. And yet here we are. Do we still have problems? Yes, we do, and yes, we are. But there's one thing we are not. We are not consumed. Why? We serve a merciful God. What else have I learned? I have learned the character of God's compassion. I don't even think I, I, I deserve to ever utter the words "compassion" speaking of myself. My compassion will give you something in your trouble. He walks with me and suffers with me in my trouble. That's what compassion's all about. What Jeremiah is simply saying here is watch. I'll give you this and we're done. It is to the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So watch. He says through his mercy I found what? Hope. Hope. He said, I have hope. Why? His mercies. They're new every morning. His mercies are sufficient. And then through God's faithfulness or through God's compassion, he found out that God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Do you know old Daniel? I'm going to speak for him for a moment. I don't know him personally. One day I will. I don't think he looked forward to going into the lion's den. I'm just being honest with you. At the very least, his bed wasn't in there, okay? The older I get, the more I just appreciate being in my own bed. i going to sleep down there in rock. so at least we could probably all agree that he was not looking forward to it, and yet he went there, went through a difficult time. Do you know what Daniel learned in the lion's den? He learned about God's compassion. God was with him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what did they learn through the fiery furnace? I'm sure they didn't enjoy that either, getting bound hand and foot thrown into that fiery furnace. What did they learn in there? They didn't say, well, man, that was a waste of our time. Getting thrown into a furnace. We had better things to do today. Oh, no. They got something out of it. That God's compassion, he suffered with them. And, oh, folks, what a blessing it would be to us tonight. If we look back on the difficulty, and, yeah, it's been rough. Say, you know what? I learned something in that. And that God is merciful. And that God is compassionate. Compassionate. And everybody ought to know the God that we serve because they see what he's meant to us, the difficulty we've gone through. Tonight, let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.